I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere or find them anywhere you get podcasts. You can also find all of my stuff at HeidiHarris.com, including videos I do during the week. I call them Headlines with Heidi. I put them up at Rumble, but they're also at HeidiHarris.com. This last week, I had a chance to go back to Washington, D.C., to the Federation for American Immigration Reform's annual Hold Their Feet to the Fire event, where I got a chance to talk to a lot of really fabulous guests about the immigration issue. I think we all know what a disaster the border is. Richard Valdemar joined me. He's a transnational gang expert, spent 33 years with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department chasing gang members around. We talked about the border. We talked about, obviously, what's happening with Biden. And we talked about how America at one time actually was able to close the border and why. Uh, by the way, this interview, all these interviews that I'm going to be sharing with you were conducted outdoors. So if you hear any sirens in the background or voices, you know, just ignore it and focus on the content. Richard Valdemar, always great to see you. Thank you, Heidi. I want your listeners to know that unlike most talk show hosts, you actually went down to the border, yes. unlike our president and vice president. <laughs> and I saw, I saw you with your boots on the ground right at the border. I have been there to the actual <laughs> fence, and it's, uh, it's something to behold, that's for sure. You know, I was talking to a prosecutor not too long ago in my hometown of Las Vegas, and she said there are over 500 gangs operating just in Las Vegas, and you spent 33 years in the gang business. I can only imagine how many are operating in Southern California. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I don't think there's a good estimate as how many there are. Wow. Uh, actually, California is known as the mother of gangs because a lot of the gang culture came out of California. So, you know, the Pachuco era in 1940, that's where, where most of the Hispanic gang stuff Oh, I didn't know it back all back all that way. Uh, okay, all that way, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now where what's the history on that in the night for nineteen forty? What would that what would that year be? You know, those were um, aliens mm -hmm. who came to this country that didn't want to identify with the United States. Okay, so they were against the war, and so they did everything opposite of the war. Now, uh, military uniform was subdued colors and cut real, tailored real close, so they wore outlandish colors. That were had huge lapels and big baggy pants. Uh, remember that clothing um, cloth was rationed. It was part of the rationing Interesting. system. Interesting. I did so not know So it just went this. on, and the, the music and and you know the whole thing. Uh, and there's a famous uh, um, zoo suit riots, and the military police had to be called in. And of course, they always portray them as the victims. Uh, my my father. And my eight uncles would give you a different story since they were all in the military wow. and hated them. My grandmother called Pachucos marijuanos <laughs> because they <laughs> used marijuana and wow. they weren't respected. Uh, even though now they portray them as harmless people that were caught up in this tragedy. I didn't realize the history on that. That's fascinating. Interesting. Richard Valdemar is here. He's a gang expert. Spent 33 years fighting gangs. Recently, I was doing some research about Enrique Camarena, who, as you know, you know the story very well, was a DEA agent who in 1985 was kidnapped and killed along with his pilot by a guy named Rafael Caro Quintero. Yes. Caro Quintero was uh, part of the cartel's leader, leadership. They tortured Kiki uh, horribly, uh, and it was all about marijuana. Uh, Kiki uh, was able to uh, get the police in Mexico to seize millions of dollars worth of, worth of marijuana. And contrary to popular belief, uh, 
Chapo Guzman and all these cartels made their living from the sale of marijuana. So even though in many states marijuana is legal, it's still, uh, the cartels still have a hold of its production and still benefit from the sale of it. Yeah, let's talk about that, and we'll go back to the, the Kiki Camarena because there's, there's an interesting aspect of border uh, enforcement here. But, you know, there are some states that have legalized marijuana, and, and you know, whether or not you think pot's a big deal or not, I, I personally think it doesn't benefit anybody. But even if you do think it's okay, people forget you're not going to take the illegal aspect of it out. You're not going to take the black market out of it. You know, people say, well, if they legalize it, it'll all be safe and fine and okay. And, and that's not true at all. No, it's not true at all. Uh, what they'll do is uh, encroach upon the legal growers. And I wrote an article about that on Police Magazine. Uh, and I had one of the growers call me up and tell me that I'm the only one who knows what's going on Ooh. in California. And so he gave me the information. Uh, they'll establish themselves in a, with a friendly relationship with uh, legalized growers. And then they'll slowly, by intimidation, take over their growing uh, fields. It's like the mob in New York City. Exactly. Wow. You know, think about it. Al Capone's uh, syndicate did not stop when they legalized beer. Right. All he did was include other... Uh, illegal drugs. Well, it's like prostitution. Prostitution is legal. People don't realize uh, in my hometown of Vegas, prostitution is legal, as you know, outside of Vegas and Pahrump. It's not legal in Vegas. It's all over the place in Vegas. People are still victimized all over the place. And some of the girls who work the legal brothels have pimps too. So you're not taking the vice aspect out of it just because you legalize it. No. And it finances the gang. Uh, Every gang has two arms. It has a money-making arm and a militant war-making arm. Now, we concentrate on the militant war-making arm, but we ignore the, the money-making arm, and they can't function if right. they don't have money. They have to have that, right? No question about it. So, now, going back to Enrique Camarena, who was killed, the interesting thing is, now, this happened in 1985, but when they were looking for his killers, somehow they were able to secure the border between America and Mexico because they were trying to find this guy. Talk to me about that. That's fascinating. I just, I really just recently became aware of that whole story. Yes, Mexico, although many times its history uh, says that they're fighting the cartels, it usually means that the people in power are fighting everybody who's against the cartel that sponsors them. Right. So, so there's been various fights against the cartels. And then, uh, they're not very cooperative, and there was police corruption involved in Kiki's murder. A lot of police corruption. So they didn't get a, the United States did not get a lot of help in solving that crime. So what did the U.S. do? They closed down the border, and they Ooh. actually fully closed down the border. Huh, you could do that, huh? Yes. Well, that's weird. And it didn't take them long to do it. And once Mexico realized that they were losing millions of dollars across that border, they suddenly cooperated and helped. They uh, coughed him up, huh? And he coughed up Carlo Quintero. That's crazy. And I, I don't want to get too graphic on the details of what happened to Enrique Camarena, but just to give people an idea of what these people do, are capable of, they apparently obviously tortured him, and they had a doctor there. They had a doctor present to make sure that he didn't die quickly. Uh, they kept him alive so he could endure more pain. Uh, it Where, was horrible. Where's that doctor? Do we have any idea? Uh, yeah, we, uh, the United States illegally went down and kidnapped him. They did? And okay. brought, brought him back across the border, and they got in a lot of trouble for that. But uh, they got a lot of information as well. How can a person, anyway, I don't want to focus on that, but it's just, you know, there's a lot of evil in the world, and that's one of the problems with the border that's out of control is that this kind of thing is going on yeah. all over the place. I got to say, 
this is the problem with that all the danger that comes from uh, drugs and human trafficking that uh, you know that should worry everybody you know how many fentanyl uh, overdoses are there in the United States but if you think about this the cartels make about a hundred billion dollars every year in human and drug trafficking across the border 60% of their income goes in bribery they call it the mordida mm -hmm. and if you think they're only bribing people in Mexico you're very naive. Yeah. They're bribing people on this side of the border as well. I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that they're going on, uh, you know, these uh, social media accounts and finding American citizens, maybe young kids, not like teenagers, young adults, to be mules for them and to help them. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you're hearing about that? Yeah. Operation Detour was a, a documentary produced by a friend of mine uh, about that, the recruitment in Arizona and Texas of young people, even college students, to aid the cartels in uh, distributing uh, drugs and be mules for them. And that was happening on a regular basis uh, and it's still happening today. Now once they approach you, let's say a cartel member approaches you on social media and you're a legal citizen of Arizona, pick a state, and they approach you, if you, what do you can you turn them down? Are they going to kill you if you turn them down once they make contact with you? I mean, is there any possible way you can get out of it? Or once you've been targeted, that's it? Past a certain point, you can't turn them down. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, you, if you remember the opening of The Godfather, mm -hmm. when all these people are standing in line to see The Godfather, what is he doing? He's doing them favors. Right. One after another. But there's a cost to the favor. Right. The, he's going to call upon them in a later date and make them do something for him. Mm -hmm. And that that's right. something might be very, very illegal. Interesting. So, yeah, so what they do with the social media is they... They entice the young people into these uh, situation parties, and they get free this and free that, right. and they meet these interesting people, and then they become indebted to the cartel. So they're grooming them just like they groom these traffickers. That's right. I watched a documentary a while back about tra uh, tra sex trafficking, and there, I believe it was filmed part of it in Venezuela, and there was a woman who had a little girls about 11 years old, and they stopped by the house, and they said, your daughter has been noticed. You know, in other words, yeah. they weren't going to put her to work yet, but they were going to. And and, right. and the mother is lives in such abject poverty. What what is she going to do? How is she going to fight these people off? And she obviously didn't want her child to do that. I mean, I don't I don't say it's not obvious. Some parents you know put their kids in brothels, but she did not want her child to go into that lifestyle. But they said she's been noticed, so basically she's on her radar. So we'll be back. That's right. It's a double pronged uh, uh, threat. So what they'll say, even the law enforcement. Uh, the term they use is plata o plomo, uh, take our silver or take our lead. And they'll start by approaching you and say, hey, I know your kids go to this school. Mm -hmm. And here's $100,000. It's not $50 anymore. Here's $100,000. Now, you either take it and do what we tell you or your kids are going to disappear. Mm. It's unbelievable. So, talking about the situation at the border and what goes on with these gangs, apparently now I was talking to, to Fred and Peggy, the ranchers, and they say they hardly see anybody pass through their property anymore because everybody's go the cartels are running all of that now. Can, can you talk about what you're seeing with that? Oh, absolutely. Cartels are building, uh, you know, uh, tunnels. And since things are so loose under the Biden administration, they have many more methods of, of uh, smuggling people across the border. Uh, but just this week, it came out that 2.4 million uh, 
detainees were detained by the Custom and Border Patrol in the last 11 months, which is like 175% more than, than before. And those are just the ones we caught. And those are just the ones we caught. And, and then we catch them and release them. Now, how and, many of those people are brought in through the cartels, or do the cartels have a way of getting them in here where we're not going to catch them? Whatever illegal activity is going on, the cartels have a hand in it. So if you're a human trafficker, they're going to tax you, and you're going to be under their control, uh, and you're going to give a certain percentage of your income to them. And the same thing with small-time dealers or, or smugglers, gun smugglers, that kind of thing. So the cartel is, in fact, in, in control of the whole, the whole thing. And so the border used, is under control, is what you're yes, saying. but <laughs> not by us. It's, it, it, Definitely wow. not by us. That's man. incredible. I, I started talking about the border because uh, so many of my friends were border patrolmen. And they were so frustrated because they can't do their job. And instead mm -hmm. they're changing diapers or, or babysitting. And that's the other thing. There's a misplaced uh, sympathy for the, for the people that are coming across the border and the kids. That's misplaced because they are the victims. Right. They're not being abused by the government. They're being abused by the cartels. Right. They're being raped and human trafficked. They're becoming mules uh, and in debt and extorted by the by the cartels. But they make it seem in uh, CNN or MSNBC like it's uh, it's the border and uh, patrolmen that are doing this to them. What? Yeah. What's happening with the kids? No, nobody's talking about the kids. We were talking about kids in cages under Trump, and now we have hundreds of thousands of kids that have disappeared. We don't know where they are. Who who picked them up? Do you have right, any idea, right. Richard? And they talk about breaking up families. Well, yeah. if, if, I was, if I was driving down the street of Las Vegas and I saw a prostitute under the influence of drugs and she had a little kid with her, what would I do? I would arrest her and separate her from her kids. Mm -hmm. So that's not shocking that you have to separate these kids. It's for their own safety that you separate them. Almost all of them are not actually related right. to the person who brought them across, across the border. These people either intimidate, kidnap, or, or uh, rent kids to come across the border with them as they get across the border card. Uh, and, and the frustrated border patrolmen uh, know this is true and can't do anything about it. Now, do the parents, uh, when, when, you're not, when they're not related uh, and they rent the kids, do the parents have any idea, do they believe that their child's going to go to America and have a better life, or they just don't care? Because I know there are parents who do not care what happens to their kids. I mean, they will rent them out. They will sell them on Craigslist. We know that. There are parents like that. What do you think's the truth with a lot of these parents with these well, kids? Are they lied to by the cartels? We're going to provide everything. Don't worry. The cartel will take advantage of any situation. So the ones that they sell outright, they'll buy outright. Uh, but they also use... Um, deception and lies to get the people to to give up their kids. I remember there was uh, the Japanese, the uh, Yakuza, who were offering young females in America a uh, chance to be models in Japan. And of course, it's just a come on for prostitution. Right, of course, yeah. So they'd go to Japan, be isolated from everyone, and then be turned out as prostitutes. The same thing happens with the Mexicans who are crossing the border and the children. Mm -hmm. So they're you know, they're, they're the victims. And that's where our sympathy should lie. For their own good, they need to stay in their own countries and aid can be provided for them. You know, we have laws. That's, we wrote laws and we codified them. And we, if you want to change the law, 
then let's do it legally. Let's change it legally. Right. And how come that doesn't happen? Because the left knows that the American people would not would not do that. Yeah, you can't just pick and choose which laws you want to enforce. Right. Speaking of Richard Valdemar, who spent 33 years fighting gangs and gang violence with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, and he continues to provide awareness and, and talk and, and, and write uh, columns and things like that and p promote awareness all over the place that he can. Talk to me about how bad the gang situation is in Southern California. You talked about the starting in the 1940s, kind of the main uh, the history of it. Talk about how bad it is now and how illegal immigration is making it worse. We have three huge transnational gangs coming out of uh, California, especially Los Angeles. And okay, let me sure stop you there because I think a lot of people don't understand the transnational aspect. These are gangs. They think the Latino gangs are the Latino gangs. They don't understand that they work with the Chinese, with the Iranians. I mean, it's all they're all working together. Talk about that. That's right. I call it the unholy alliance. Uh, it's uh, American street gangs, the cartels, and terrorists. They all work together. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, the three largest transnational gangs, meaning that they're not only found in the United States, these gangs are found in South America, in Europe, uh, Spain, and all these different countries. And they operate uh, as distributors and enforcers for the cartels and their drugs. Of drugs and people yes. and all these different things. Well, these three biggest gangs are, and I'm sure you heard of them, Maricela Trucha, MS-13, 18th Street, and uh, Florence 13. And they're primarily made up of illegal aliens from California. So so they're the prim primary movers of human trafficking and drugs across the border. Uh, and there are street gangs. And the other one is Barrio Azteca from uh, Texas. Hmm. Now, how do these guys recruit these gang members? Do they recruit them through threats, force, or do these guys want to be a part of this gang? It's very subtle. It starts out in grammar school, about the fourth grade, and they do the same thing. They'll do you favors. They'll protect you. Uh, you know, you'll be on the team. Uh, you know, uh, if somebody tries to pick on you, we'll help, the, help you. And, but while you do that, then you're committing to the mm. gang lifestyle. Mm. And at some point they say, hey, are you in or are you out? And then that's when the jump in occurs. Mm. If you say no, they're going to jump on you and they're going to hurt you. If you say yes, they'll do an uh, informal jump in and beat you a little bit and then you're a member. Mm. It's so terrible because there's so many pl people in the world who just... They're not going to have any choices. They're going to get killed or they're going to get recruited into this dangerous lifestyle because they're, the economies they work with are so corrupt. Not that ours doesn't have its corruption. I mean, you and I are right now sitting two blocks yes. from Capitol Hill where most of the problems generate. Uh, but obviously, you know, I, I don't know how many choices some of these people have. It's and, just terrible. Well, but see, uh, I grew up in Compton, California. You know, I grew up in a real bad neighborhood, Willowbrook, uh, probably the worst part of Compton. Um, but 90% of the kids I knew never joined a gang. 10% mm -hmm. of them joined a gang. Maybe 5% of them drop out. So 5% of the kids are responsible for 80% of the crime. But isn't that true with any cop? They'll tell you that 10% of the time you're chasing 90% of the people. I mean, I lied. 90% of the time you're chasing 10% of the yes, people. Right, it's the, population. the same people. Yeah. So that the stuff that's happening right now in Los Angeles, no bail and catch and release, you're releasing the same people who are going to victimize the same community that they come from. So blacks pick on blacks, mm -hmm. Hispanics pick on Hispanics, and whites pick on whites. That's right. And you then, know where the racial yeah. divide comes? Mm -hmm. In prison. In prison, the prison yard is divided up by race. Who does that? The staff doesn't do that. The police do not do that. The inmates do it.
Yeah, it's interesting, too. And they, I guess the, the jail system kind of respects that, right? Because they know there's going to be trouble if they don't. That's right. You can't mix them. So interesting. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And God bless you for what you've done for so many years and the fact that you continue to promote awareness about this. And this, you know, the border that's wide open has so many different aspects of it that are just so detrimental to society for the for us and for other people around the world. And the most dangerous part is the corruption part. Yeah, because if you can't trust the police, you can't trust the government, you can't trust the judges. What do you have? You have Mexico all over again. Right. Here. That's true. Boy, then we're seeing more of that, aren't we, all the yes. time? Yes. Absolutely. Richard Valdemar, always a privilege, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. Powerful stuff. Don't forget, you can find me Sunday nights, 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis, 7 to 9 p.m. St. Louis time. During the week, I do videos. I call them Headlines with Heidi. You can find them at Rumble or HeidiHarris.com. You can find me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Heidi Harris Show. So you can't get away from me, even if you want to. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.